Let's pray, and we'll dig into God's Word. This has been a rich feast this morning already, Lord, of your goodness, your love in Christ through the cross, testimonies of how you've been working. Thank you. You're so kind to us. And Lord, now I pray that you would pour out your spirit through the word into our hearts and that we would be strengthened. I want to pray especially for those here who are feeling that you're calling them to do something that they think is impossible. And I pray that they would leave here with their hearts changed and encouraged and strengthened with what you've promised to do for them. So come and work now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to be starting with verse 17 in Hebrews 11. And so if you need a Bible, as we always like to say, raise your hand. We will bring one to you. We are passionate about studying God's Word here at Mercy Hill Church. We'd love to have each of you have a copy of the Bible in front of you. These are the most important words you're going to get this morning, are the words that are in Hebrews. And Hebrews 11, 17, verse 17 is on page 1008 in the Bibles that we're passing out. Now to set the stage for this passage, I want you to think just for a moment about how important the Bible says it is that we obey Jesus Christ. It's important. He's given us commands, and it's important that we obey his commands, not because our obedience earns or deserves or is what saves us. If our obedience was what needed to save us, we would all be in big trouble, right? It's not going to happen. Don't try. That's not the way we get saved. That's not why obedience is important. We're saved because Jesus Christ paid for all of our sins on the cross, and by faith in him alone, we're forgiven and clothed with his perfect righteousness. That's it. We're in. Saved, forgiven. That's not why obedience is important. But obedience is important. One reason Because our obedience, not our perfect obedience, but our progressive growth in obedience shows that our faith is real. Shows that we do have real, genuine faith in Christ. That's one reason obedience is important. There's other reasons obedience is important. He promises that as you obey him, he will pour out his heart-satisfying presence upon you and fill you. He'll do that. Obedience is important because as you obey Christ, people around you will be blessed. They'll be loved. They'll be served. They'll be helped. Everywhere you go, you're just going to bring blessing to people as you obey Jesus Christ. Another reason it's important. And then one last reason. It's because it glorifies Jesus Christ. When people see you obeying him in, in costly ways, he is displayed as your treasure. He's glorified. So lots of reasons why obedience is important. But there are times, following Jesus Christ, that obedience can feel like it is impossible. It's like it's impossible. Maybe God has called you to be single or to be married or to stay in a marriage. And because of various circumstances, you're thinking, it's impossible. Can't do it. Or maybe God's calling you to share the good news of Jesus Christ with someone. But you know how tongue-tied you get, right? You know how timid you are, and you think, that's impossible. I just can't do it. 
Maybe God's calling you to, to love someone who is so difficult, so difficult. It's just stretching, stretching you beyond what you are capable of doing. You say, I just can't do it anymore. It's impossible to keep loving them. Maybe God's calling you to uh, be patient in a trial that has gone on and on and on and on and on. And you're feeling like I can't do it anymore. It's reached the point of impossibility for me. Maybe God's calling, I hope he is calling some of you to devote your life to taking the gospel to an unreached people group in a dangerous country. And for various reasons, you're thinking, uh, I'm not sure that's possible for many, many reasons. Yes, he's calling me, but it's not possible for me to do that. Or maybe God's calling you to, to stop a, a sinful pattern in your life or to break off a relationship. And because it's been going on so long, because it's got such a hold on you, it seems impossible. So every follower of Jesus, every one of us, we will have times where we feel like obedience is impossible. It's just not possible for me to do it. And what the author of Hebrews wants to do in our hearts in this morning's passage is show us how God called Abraham to obedience that would have seemed and felt impossible. And he wants to show us how Abraham obeyed when it seemed impossible. Are you ready? Hebrews chapter 11. Start with the question, what was it that God called Abraham to do? Many of you know, some of you may not. Look at verse 17. It is shocking. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Hey, what's going on there? Now, the author of Hebrews is assuming that his readers were familiar with Genesis chapter 22. He doesn't give any more details, but let's look back to Genesis 22 so we get the details. Okay, so turn back in your Bibles to the story that the author is referring to, Genesis chapter 22. And in the Bibles we just passed out, that's page 16. Genesis chapter 22, way back to the left, page 16 in the Bibles we passed out. Now, here's the background for Abraham. Years ago, God had promised Abraham and Sarah that he would give them a son. And this was an astonishing promise because they'd already been married for years and had had no children. Not able to have children. But God promised, I'm going to give you, Abraham and Sarah, a son. And not only am I going to give you a son... But through this son I'm going to give you, Abraham, you're going to end up fathering an entire nation of people. So there's the promise. So you heard that promise. They trusted God. But years went by. And more years went by. And decades went by until Abraham and Sarah were both past their 90s. Way past childbearing years, okay? But one day God came to them and said, Next year, at this time, you will have the son. And sure enough, a couple months later, Sarah got pregnant. By the time the next year came around, there was little Isaac. Okay? Little Isaac. Newborn boy. So this was the child that they had waited for for decades. Prayed for for decades longed for for decades there he is their child born to them the one who through whom abraham was going to become the father of an entire 
nations. So just imagine the joy and the exulting and the celebration after years of waiting, promise fulfilled. Okay, but then a few years later, God called Abraham to do something that would have felt absolutely impossible. Verses 1 and 2, Genesis 22. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here am I. He, God, said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So God was calling Abraham, take your son to the land of Moriah. I'm going to show you a mountain. I want you to go up in that mountain with him, and I want you to offer him there as a burnt offering, which means Abraham is to kill his son and burn his body on the altar. That's what God's calling Abraham to do. Now keep your finger here in Genesis 22, back to Hebrews chapter 11. That's the call. And read the beginning of verse 17 again. What did Abraham do then? Verse 17, Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Now, the rest of verses 17 and 18, what the author emphasizes is why this would have been so important. We can already feel why this would have been, I mean, why this would have been so impossible. We can already feel why this would have been so impossible, but the author wants to make sure we get it. Why would this have seemed impossible? Read all of verses 17 and 18. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. So two reasons this would have felt absolutely impossible for Abraham. One is because, verse 17, he was in the act of offering up his only son. This is his only son whom he loved. And God's calling him to sacrifice his only son. Second reason, verse 18, because God had told him, through Isaac, through this son Isaac, shall your offspring be named. In other words, God has promised to give Abraham offspring through Isaac, but now God is calling Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. Well, how's that work? So can you feel how impossible? Isaac's my son, my only son whom I love. How can I sacrifice him? It's impossible. And God has promised to give us descendants through Isaac. So how can I sacrifice Isaac? Right? There's no way I can sacrifice Isaac and God still fulfill his promise to give me descendants through Isaac. So you just think of all the reasons why Abraham would have said, well, I can't be God. No, he's not calling me to do this. I'm not just right. It would have felt absolutely impossible for Abraham to do this. So God was calling Abraham to obey in a way that would have felt impossible. And what did Abraham do? What did he do? Beginning of verse 17 again, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. So he set out to obey God, took Isaac, some young men who were their servants, traveled to the land of Moriah, 
came to the base of the mountain that God had showed him was to be the mountain, asked the young men, the servants, to stay there because he and Isaac were going to go up to the top of the mountain alone. Abraham and Isaac went up to the top of the mountain. Abraham built an altar. Abraham bound Isaac, laid Isaac on the altar, and he was about to sacrifice Isaac. And God said, stop. We read in Genesis that God said, now I know that you fear me. And then God provided a ram who was stuck in a thicket, and Abraham used the ram as the burnt offering. So here's the point. Abraham obeyed God when it would have felt absolutely impossible. It would have seemed impossible for him to do this. And some of you are right now in the thick of a call to obedience that to you feels impossible. This feels impossible. So we have to ask the question, how did Abraham do this? How? How did he obey when it felt impossible? And the author tells us in verse 19, Hebrews 11, this is amazing. Here's how he did it. He considered, he, Abraham, considered that God was able even to raise him, that is Isaac, from the dead. Abraham considered that God was able even to raise him, Isaac, from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Abraham knew that when he sacrificed Isaac, God would raise him from the dead. That's what he knew. Now, let's go back to Genesis 22. I want to show you how we can be so certain that this was in Abraham's mind. The author of Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says it. That's a certainty enough. But I want to show you from Genesis 22. If you read Genesis 22 clearly, you can see it right there. So look back, Genesis 22, verse 22. Okay, here's what's going on. Abraham and Isaac, they're at the base of the mountain. And Abraham wants to tell the, the young men who are servants to stay there while he and Isaac go up to the mountain alone. And look at what Abraham says to the young men as he calls them to stay there. Verse 22. What did I say wrong? I think it's verse 22. Abraham said to his young men, stay here. Did I get the wrong verse? Verse 5. Thank you, Dean. Okay. Verse 5. Okay. Genesis 22, verse 5. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. He does not say, I'm the boy, will go over there and worship, and I will come to you again. That's not what he says. That verb, come again to you, is plural, just like the other two verbs are. The verb, go over there, is plural. The verb, worship, is plural. And the verb, come again, is plural. So what Abraham is saying to the servants is, I and the boy will go over there, and I and the boy will worship, and I and the boy will come to you again. He knew God was going to raise him from the dead if he sacrificed him. So this is what's going on in his mind. I and the boy will come to you again, which means Abraham knows 
that after he sacrifices Isaac, God's going to raise him from the dead. See, Abraham knew three things. One, he knew uh, God had promised him offspring through Isaac. Through Isaac, your descendants will be named. No descendants through Isaac yet. God had promised. Through Isaac, your descendants will be named. God had promised that. Secondly, he knew God had called him to sacrifice Isaac. And he knew third, God was always faithful to his promises. He knew God is always faithful to his promises. God would still give him offspring through Isaac. How? He's going to raise him from the dead, this means. That's what it means. Isaac's going to be raised from the dead. So he knew that God was going to raise him from the dead. See, that's, that's how Abraham obeyed when it felt impossible, when it seemed impossible, is because he trusted God to be faithful to his promises. Whenever we feel like obedience is impossible, if you're honest with yourself, the root issue is you're not trusting God to be faithful to his promises. I've been there. You've been there. That's always the problem. What enabled Abraham to obey was that he knew that God would be faithful to his promises. Now, we don't hear much about what was actually going on in Abraham's heart. I doubt that Abraham, that it, it, it was as seamless and as smooth and as effortless as it sounds. The author's intentions in Genesis and in Hebrews is not to show us the inner workings of his heart. But let me just take a little bit of liberty here and pull from some other scriptures. Here's what I think probably, possibly, probably, I'll let you be the judge of that. Here's what I think was happening. I think Abraham heard the call to sacrifice his son and he would have said, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. In other words, faith wasn't immediately there. Okay. And, but Abraham would have known, God, you're going to help me now. You've called me to do this. You, by your mercy, will always give me everything I need to do what you've called me to do. So Abraham would have come before the Lord and said, help me. Forgive me for my unbelief. You're God. You are flawlessly good. You are flawlessly wise. I do not understand this, but my little human brain should never be in judge of what you, you've shown yourself perfectly good and wise through everything you've done. Help me trust you. And he would have prayed, help me, Father, to trust you. And Abraham would have known, Romans 10, 17, that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. And so Abraham would have prayed over the scriptures like the promise through Isaac. Father, you promised through Isaac, through my boy, my descendants are going to be named. Help me to trust that that's true, that you're going to do that. And what would have happened in Abraham's heart as he prayed over that promise, asked God to strengthen his faith, got on his face before the Lord and said, help me, help me now. The Holy Spirit would have come upon Abraham and all of a sudden he would have said, you're going to raise him from the dead. You're going to raise him from the dead. <laughs> Isaac, we're going to take a trip tomorrow. See, th this is how it works. Faith is not just something that all of a sudden, so we, we all just have faith all the time. It's easy. I mean, I've rarely experienced that. Okay. I've had a few occasions where faith has been easy. Paul calls faith a fight. It's a fight of faith. And so 
I don't know for sure, but pulling other scriptures together, that's possibly what Abraham experienced here. The way Abraham was enabled to obey was because he fought to trust that God will be faithful to his promises. No matter what he's calling me to do, he's going to be faithful to his promises. And and that's the point the author wants to make in verses 20 to 22 of Hebrews 11. Are we back? Let's go back to Hebrews 11. What's the point of verses 20 to 22? The author is answering the question, was God faithful to his promise with Abraham? And we know that God stopped Abraham from sacrificing Isaac, yes, but God then was faithful to raise up descendants for Abraham through Isaac. That's the point of verses 20 to 22. Look at verse 18 again. There's the promise. Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. So look at what we read in verse 20. We're asking the question, was God faithful to that promise? Verse 20. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. So here's Isaac, okay? End of his life, all right? At the end of his life, he speaks future blessings to Jacob and Esau. So here we see, just as God has promised, he's bringing Abraham descendants, offspring, through Isaac. God's being faithful to his promise. Verse 21, by faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. So Abraham fathered Isaac, Isaac fathered Jacob, Jacob fathered 12 sons, one of whom was Joseph, and here as Jacob is dying, he blesses the sons of Joseph and worships God. So again, God is bringing Abraham descendants, offspring, through Isaac. He's fulfilling his promise. Verse 22, by faith Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Remember, Abraham fathered Isaac. Isaac fathered Jacob. Jacob fathered 12 sons who made up the Israelites, whose, whose descendants were the, the, the massive nation of Israel. At the end of Joseph's life, remember where Joseph was at the end of his life? Egypt, right? Number two man in Egypt, And so he knows God's people are here. They're not in the promised land. So at the end of his life, he made mention of the exodus of the Israelites. God's going to take his people, the Israelites, back to the promised land. And he says, and when he does, take my bones with you and bury my bones there. But again, the point is that God is being faithful to his promise. He is raising up descendants for Abraham through Isaac. So was God faithful to his promises? And the answer is yes, 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 yes. He was faithful to his promises. So, here's the final question. How can we obey then when it feels impossible? Some of you are feeling like it's impossible. How can we obey when it feels impossible? The answer is the first two words of verse 17. By faith. By faith. Too many Christians have that phrase, by faith, and it really doesn't mean anything more than just, okay, I'm supposed to do something, so I'm going to do it. And they think that that's by faith. That's not by faith. That's just by willpower. That's just by you doing. Faith is something. Faith is something. It's not just you doing. Faith is something different than just you doing. This is such good news. 
When I first saw this, it really has deeply impacted my Christian life. By faith, Abraham did this. This is one of the keys to the Christian life. Okay, Everything else flows out of faith. It's by faith alone, in Christ alone. Faith means trusting all that God promises to be to me in Christ Jesus. And when you trust him, obedience in impossible situations will flow. It comes from faith. It's by faith. So here's some examples. You may be thinking that obedience is impossible now because I can't see any way that obedience is going to turn out good. I've looked at it from every angle. There's no good outcome if I am obedient here. Possible. I can't do it. It's just, this is not going to work. Okay? So how can you obey? You feel like it's impossible. How do you obey? By faith. Okay. Now, faith needs a promise. This is so key. Abraham had a promise. Verse 18. Your faith needs a promise. If there's no promise, at best your faith is vague and vapid. It's, it's going like, to just blow away like fog. Your faith needs to have a promise. Like... John 13, 17. So here, if you're feeling like obedience is impossible because there's, there's no way this obedience is going to turn out good for me, John 17, 13, here's a promise. Jesus says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Okay, that word blessed is the Greek word for joyful, uh, happy, delighted. If you know these things, joyful, Happy, delighted, blessed will you be when you do them. So here's what you do. You think, yeah, I, I hear those words, but I, I don't, I, you don't understand that the obedience that I'm, I'm looking at here, and there's just no way that's going to happen in this obedience, right? That's called unbelief. We all struggle with that. So what do you do? You come before the Lord and you say, help me. You say, Jesus, please forgive me for my unbelief right now. Look at this heart. It's not, not trusting you. Forgive me. Help me to trust you now. Bring the power of your Holy Spirit upon me and change my heart. And then you, 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 you look at that promise. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And as you're before the Lord, like Paul Walton was on his knees with his head in the carpet Wednesday night, Paul, okay? As you're there before the Lord praying and, and looking at the promise and asking him to help you trust the promise and praying over the promise, God will not fail you. He will help you. You'll be there and you'll think, I'm seeing Jesus. Jesus who loved me and gave himself up for me said these words. He's standing right before me now saying, if you obey me, you will be blessed. You will be blessed. Trust me. You will be blessed. And your faith will rise and it'll grow. And you will know It's like Abraham said, God's going to raise him from the dead. You'll know this is going to bless me. By faith, that's how we obey when it feels impossible. Another example. Let's say you just honestly look at what God's calling you to do. Maybe it's a trial that's going on and on and on and on. You just think, I have no strength left. I am beyond empty. There's just nothing left for me to do. I can't do it. So what do you do? How do you then obey? Not just like, okay, I, I, I'm supposed to obey here. We, 
I, I got to obey. I'm supposed to. That's not by faith. By faith means you you come before the Lord and you lay your heart on hands on, and heart on a promise and you you ask Him to help you. You ask Him to strengthen you. You come before Him and you pray, say, please, Jesus, forgive me for my unbelief. Help me now. And a promise you may want to look at would be Philippians 4:13. Many of you know this one. I can do all things. That doesn't stop there, okay? I can do all things. Too often, those la- the last part of the verse is just like a cliche to us, but there's, there's a substance here. I can do all things through him who really does strengthen me. He does. The living Jesus will strengthen you. He will strengthen you. You're not strengthened now. There's no strength in you now. He will come and he will strengthen you. So you're thinking, I'm strong now. Where did that come from? Jesus is just smiling. Philippians 4.13. Okay. Paul says, I told you. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So we come as we are, weak as we are. Help me. Strengthen me. Where I am now, I can't, I can't obey you. I need you to strengthen me so I can. And then you pray over that promise. You lay hold of a promise. You promise to strengthen me. Strengthen me. Strengthen me. And as you do that, he will strengthen you. He will empower you. You will have fresh resource in beholding all that he promises to be to you. So, okay. Another day of this trial. Yes. Another day of loving this enemy. Yes. Another example, um, maybe your obedience feels impossible because you just don't have the ability to do it. You don't, you're not able to do what God's asking you to do, to love that person, to share the gospel with that person. Okay, The promise I would encourage you to pray over is 2 Corinthians 9.8. God is able to make all grace abound to you. Let me back up. God is able to make all grace, that's a lot, okay, abounds to you, that's a lot, so that having all sufficiency, that's a lot, in all things, that covers them at all times, that you may abound in every good work. So numerous superlatives in that verse, meaning that God will always give you the grace to do what he's calling you to do, always. I think, well, I don't have it right now. Okay. There's numerous times where that's true for everybody here in this room. So we turn to him and we say, Father, you've promised. I don't, I don't have the grace I need now to do this, but you've promised to give it to me. So you seek his face. You pray over this promise. You trust this promise. You ask him to help you, and he will give you grace. You will experience the grace coming into your heart by the Holy Spirit, your faith rising, and the ability being there to do what he's called you to do. Now, one last possibility. Some of you might be saying, Okay, that's all fine and good, this, all this by faith stuff, but you don't understand. I don't have any faith. By faith, fine. If I had faith, that would be good news for me. I don't have any faith. There's, there's no faith in here right now. It's good news for you too. Okay? God has a promise for that as well. Romans 10, 17. I mentioned it talking about Abraham's fight of faith earlier. Faith comes from hearing 
and hearing through the word of Christ. So you don't have faith. Okay, that's true for everybody here from time to time. But faith comes from someplace. This is really good news. Where does it come from? It comes from hearing. You can hear, can't you? And if you're, if you're deaf, you can read, okay? So you can hear. And faith comes from hearing. So if you will hear the word of Christ, if you will set some time to, to hear the word of Christ and to say, okay, if you can give this heart faith, bring it, and you, you hear the word of Christ. I love the prayer in Mark 9, 24, the man who says, I believe, help my unbelief. You can pray that. I, I believe enough to pray, help my unbelief. If you would, I, I'll take it, okay? And so you, you hear the word of Christ. You hear the word of Christ's death on the cross for you. He offers you forgiveness for all of your sins, including your present unbelief. You can be completely forgiven through Jesus Christ for your unbelief. So you say, forgive me, Jesus, for my unbelief. And you see his love displayed for you on the cross. He loved you and gave himself up for you. And you look at the love of Jesus Christ. You you see his death on the cross forgiving your sins. You see his love for you displayed on the cross. You see his resurrection emerging from the tomb, victorious and powerful over sin and over death. And as you hear the word of Christ prayerfully, faith will come. You don't have any faith? It's not over for you. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And so as you do that, God will be faithful to his promise. He's faithful to all of his promises. He's never broken any of his promises. Faith will come. Faith will come. It will come. The problem is not that faith won't come. The problem is that we don't hear and we don't linger and we don't come and we don't pray. We don't fight. We just think, oh, it's... I'm I'm sunk. No, 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 you're not sunk. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. And then the faith will come and you'll be able to, to obey even when it seems impossible. Some of you feel like it's impossible for you to do what God's calling you to do. And I just want to plead with you. Look at Abraham. Look at how impossible that would have been. And Abraham, by faith, when he was tested, offered Isaac because he knew God is going to keep his promise. God's going to raise him from the dead. So I want to encourage you, by faith, by faith, by faith in all that God promises to be to you in Christ Jesus, even the promise to give you faith, come before him. He will transform your heart you'll be enabled to obey. You will. So take hope. Have hope. Have hope. Hope in God. God will do it. God will do it. Okay, let's stand up. I want to have us pray for people who are facing an obedient situation that feels impossible, and we want you to come forward now and be up here right now so we can lay hands on you and pray for you. Okay, so everybody who's facing a difficult obedience call, come on up. And we want to pray for you this morning. So be bold. Yes, yes, you, yes, you, and you. Come on. We want to pray for you and ask God just to strengthen you and meet you and, and fulfill his promises to you. So come on up.
And we want, we want prayers also. It would be great if each of these people who's here to receive prayer could have somebody laying hands on them and giving them prayer. So let's have prayers come on up as well. Thanks. Okay, good. Sean needs a prayer. Steve needs a prayer right here. And who else would like prayer? Come on up. See, every follower of Jesus, we all will have times where it feels impossible. This is part of walking with Christ in a, in a world where Satan's tempting us, our own sin is trying to pull us away, the world's pulling us away. Good. Everybody got prayers? Okay. Sean and Amy. Okay. You guys want prayer, right? Okay, let's, who can pray for Sean and Amy? We need, we need, a, we need a couple here with Sean and Amy, or, or uh, uh, Michelle, you're fine. Okay. And Mark and Stephanie back here need prayer. You guys are here to receive prayer. Mark and Stephanie over here. Good, okay. And I just want us all to just extend our hands and let's, as a, as a, as a gesture of, Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit now. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon our brothers and sisters. We love them. We've all been there. We all will be there again. This is their morning when they're, they are facing an impossible situation. So let's, let's just join together and pray right now. Lord, come. Meet them. In, in this, their expression of need, God, pour out your spirit upon them right now, we pray. Right now. Let them see your promise. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Lord, right now, Jesus, living Jesus, come and walk up at the front of the stage now by your spirit and strengthen these right now. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let that happen. Come, Lord, pour out your strength right now, we pray. In Jesus' name. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Lord, as they hear that word of Christ, let faith come right now. If you know these things, blessed are you, joyful are you, happy are you if you do them. Lord, right now, let faith come as they hear the word of Christ. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. What an amazing promise for every good deed, including this one that, that they're struggling with right now. So Lord, right now, pour your grace out upon them. Let them see your promise. Holy Spirit, strengthen their faith. Let faith rise up in their hearts right now. Let them... See, God is going to give me the grace I need. Jesus, as I obey you, I will be blessed. You will strengthen me and I'll be able to do everything you're calling me to do. So right now, Lord, please, we pray, we plead with you. Pour out your spirit upon these that are here. Give them faith. Give them strength. Give them comfort. Give them hope, we pray. But those of you who are laying hands on them, just continue to pray. If God brings you uh, a prophetic word to speak over them or just scripture or just prayers, go ahead and do that. I want to pray for the whole church. Lord, I pray that we would learn this lesson this morning for maybe the time this week or in the next months when it will feel impossible to do what you're calling us to do. 
Help us, Lord, to not just grit our teeth and try to muscle our way through. Help us not to to bail and head another direction, but help us to come before you by faith, trusting you to strengthen us, trusting you to help us, trusting you to give us everything we need. I pray, Lord, that we'd be able to follow Abraham's example by your grace through Jesus and obey you when it seems impossible. For the glory of your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.